0: This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com.
1: Taylor McCark, ESPN, joins us on 365 Sports. Taylor, thanks for your time. There are some bangers, as I call them, top 25 matchups that will shake up maybe the top 10 or whatever, and of course, even conference races Which of all of the games, and there's some that have got a huge spotlight, and there's some that just have higher-ranked teams playing each other, which is the one on your radar right now?
2: I think it's definitely Notre Dame and Ohio State. I think that's the one that I'm obviously grabbing all the headlines, and for good reason. Um, I think that is for a number of reasons. I think we're still trying to figure out what exactly does Ohio State have, and for Sam Hartman and Notre Dame. Uh, he was a huge pickup to them, obviously, in the portal and has given them something at the quarterback spot that they haven't had in a long time. Certainly paying attention to that one. And another one that is kind of flying under the radar that – and I'm not just saying this because I'm on with you guys right now, but Texas did not look great against Wyoming last week, obviously, and I'm interested in their performance. What, Because this historically is a uh, – going to Waco is challenging for Texas. First Big 12 game for them. That's the other one I have circled that I'm interested
0: in. Yeah, Taylor, I, uh, I just, you know, for the life of me, I can't see how, how Baylor can muster it up a- against them based on what we've seen the first three weeks. It's, you know, if they do, you know, that, that's going to be really interesting and make a, a game that I, I, I personally don't think is be very good better. But it is hard to find, and you've been, I'm sure you've been on teams that have great energy and some that, that just can't find it. Right now, it just seems that this Baylor team doesn't have any energy.
2: Well, I think there's certainly some of that, having your starting quarterback hurt plays into that. I think the thing that is going to be most challenging for Baylor, and you're seeing this really for everybody that's that's played Texas so far, that front seven for Texas defense is maybe one of the top five units in the country. And if you're having a hard time throwing the football down the field and creating explosive plays in the passing game, which Baylor is, Texas is going to make life really difficult on you. Expect a lot of man defense. Expect a lot of bodies close to the line of scrimmage. You're going to get some seven-man boxes. You're going to get some exotic blitzes that uh, Texas can afford to pull off because they just have that much talent. And on obvious passing downs, you're also going to see they may drop eight and still get pressure with just three. Um, I think they just are afforded the opportunity to do some creative things on defense that most other defenses can't. Uh, I agree with you that, I think Texas probably wins this game regardless, but what I'm interested in is is Texas on the offensive side because Alabama, clearly they played their best complete game of football on the offensive side in that game. Slow start against Texas or against Rice, excuse me, slow start last week against Wyoming on the offensive side. Does that repeat itself or do they start to put together more of a four quarter performance?
3: Taylor, uh, an interesting game that's not getting a lot of uh, attention, uh, but here in the state of Texas, the battle for the iron skill at SMU and tcu obviously there's, there's already the built-in rivalry but then you've got the fact smu is going to be jumping to the acc and just um this is only going to get you know more fever pitched and now you know tcu's calling off the rivalry so there's that aspect of this as well Sonny dykes was that smu went to tcu so there's no love lost but uh, what do you make of of chandler morris up to this point but also preston stone for the mustangs and, and how do you see this game sort of uh, unfolding on saturday
2: Yeah, we talked at length about this game on our show, All-American, and uh, I went on record and said I think SMU wins this game outright, Mm. and I think they have the better quarterback. I think Preston Stone – look, if if people haven't followed SMU to this point in the season, I I understand, but I think people need to come to grips with it. If you took this SMU team and dropped them into the ACC right now, they would be better than five or six teams in the ACC today. Uh, Rhett Lashley's done a great job in the portal – And it also helps when your quarterback, Preston Stone, it was a four-star recruit, and his finalists were SMU and Texas. That's who it came down to. And we had them against Oklahoma, and he was the better quarterback in that game over Dylan Gabriel. I think Chandler Morris definitely played his best game to date against Houston last week. I also don't think Houston's a very good football team. And so, look, it's an 11 a.m. kick. I don't think there's going to be as good an atmosphere as they would – TCU would certainly benefit if this was a night game, but it's not. And I don't think this SMU team is going to be intimidated by uh, this, this TCU team in the way that they were last year, where TCU, if you remember, jumped all over them. I think it was 21 to nothing in the first quarter. That's not what I'm expecting in this game. I think it's actually a pretty evenly matched team in terms of teams, in terms of roster top down. And I think that SMU has the better quarterback. So I, I have SMU winning this outright.
3: Because you brought them up, uh, I have to get your thoughts on on Dana and the Cougars. Uh, obviously, some, some rough sledding here early on. If not for that UTSA squeaker in, in week one, they'd be in really bad shape. But, um, you know, Donovan Smith, when he came over from Texas Tech, I mean, he was good at times, but he turned the ball over a lot and, you know, had some killer mistakes. Uh, that seems to still kind of be the case. But just what do you gather from what you've seen from the Cougars? How bad of a spot are they in and can they get out of it?
2: It's rough right now, and I, I don't know that it's going to get significantly better for them. This does not look like a bowl team. I mean, we'll start there. It, do we think, sitting here going into week four, that Houston is going to get to 500 in their first year in the Big 12? I think that answer is no. I think it, it's probably more like a three- or a four-win team, and I know it's a step up in competition getting into the Big 12. Um, I'm not sure – how much longer U of H fans have I been mean, clearly already extremely frustrated with Dana. Uh, it, it, if a change is made, do they do that mid season? I don't know. Do they make a change at all? I don't know, but I do know just like you guys that U of H fans are, there's not a lot of support right now for what they're seeing on the field. And I think U of H is in for a rough season.
0: Taylor, one uh, of the other interesting games, Pac-12, Utah and UCLA, Cam rising, uh, Trending heavily towards a return uh, that makes us a, a completely different Utah team. Even if he is not a hundred percent, if he's close, then that changes everything about them.
2: It absolutely does, and most importantly, it's at Utah where doesn't it feel like it's just impossible to go in there and get a win? And they're they're so difficult to beat at home, even when they're underdogs. Even I mean, let's look at what how ugly they made Florida look. Fast forward a couple of weeks. Florida and Graham Mertz don't look nearly as bad. They beat Tennessee. They look competent on offense. They're not a top-20 offense, but they look a lot better than they did against Utah. And for UCLA, you know, the narrative historically is that Chip Kelly teams kind of sleepwalk through September and the non-conference plate. I think there's been a little bit of that again this year. But conference play, teams almost always play better. And, again, to me, this obviously if Cam Rising can play, that's the difference maker and I think Utah certainly wins. Even if he doesn't play, I still think they probably beat UCLA uh, just because, again, I trust Utah playing at home. If this was on the road, if, this was, if they are playing this at the Rose Bowl at UCLA, I would feel differently.
3: What do you think of the way that uh, the Jalen Milrow situation was handled this week? Obviously, he's back as starter. Do you feel like there's been a fire lit under that young man? And, and just kind of what do you expect? And, and how would that have you know, gone from based on what you've seen as a, as a former quarterback? Just how Saban kind of handled all this. Can you give us kind of the bigger picture uh, take on, on how this unfolded?
2: It, it felt like there was a lot of conflicting information where yeah. some people are saying, look, this was just to try and see if they could create a spark with somebody else in the offense, see how Ty Buckner looked. Then you've got other people saying, you know, he was going to play, but he handled practice so poorly that Saban benched him. I'm not sure what to believe. I think it's a lot of noise. What I do know is that they, they figured out Ty Buckner is not the guy and that Jalen Milrose is your best chance. Moving forward in the SEC to get back on track, what they put on the field at South Florida, I mean, that was in a lot of ways is embarrassing. And now looking ahead, it, it is interesting that there's not a lot of faith in this Alabama offense right now, but they're still a seven-point favorite overall Miss. So I think they certainly have a better chance. And look, let let Milrow be who he is in that offense. Don't yep. ask him to be uh, a Tua or uh, certainly a Mac Jones or a Jalen Hurts going back a few years. Don't ask him to stand in and deliver the football. Let him be more of an athlete and move the pocket, design quarterback run, because, look, for Alabama to have a chance at getting back in the conversation, and I I know we're way early on this type of stuff, winning the SEC championship, but to even have a chance, he's going to have to play at a much higher level, and I think that involves running the football at the quarterback position.
1: Taylor, if you don't mind, a couple of Big 12 games with kind of different scenarios. West Virginia coming off a win against a rival in Pitt. Texas Tech, you know, the expectations were high, as they probably should have been. But they're on the road in Morgantown. And then a game that I don't know what the heck's going to happen, and neither do they, I would think, in Iowa State and Oklahoma State, who are both a mess.
2: Well, I'll start with West Virginia. I think they benefited from uh, Bill Dracovic at Pitt. I think it's hurt. He's either hurt or I'm not sure what's going on. But he looked pretty bad. They took advantage of a bad Pitt offense. And that was a huge win. Anytime you get a win in that rivalry, that means a lot. I think Tech is the better team, but they also haven't won like they well, we expected them to. I think, obviously, Leigh the Nag with a huge lead at Wyoming. And then the turnover late against Oregon was a killer. We talked earlier about motivation for Baylor. What does motivation look like going to West Virginia? That's another tough place to play. So I'm, I'm right there with you on I've got that circle just still trying to figure out who are these guys, who who is – between West Virginia and Tech, whoever wins this game, who's got a real shot to, to get back in the mix in the top tier, you know, four or five teams in the Big 12? The other game that you talked about, I think Iowa State is a mess, and a lot of it is is wrapped up in the betting scandal that's going on with Iowa and Iowa State. seems like it's obviously impacted Iowa State more than Iowa. And Oklahoma State, man, they they go and get a win at Arizona State, and you think, okay, maybe this is going to be – A standard Mike Gundy team that's just scrappy and still finds a way to get to eight wins. And then they get their doors blown off by South Alabama, and the game was not very competitive. Uh, So, look, I think these are two of the worst teams in the Big 12, clearly. I think they're going to be down at the bottom near Cincinnati and Houston when it's all said and done. And I'm not sure how much we really take away from a win for either one of these teams, unless it's convincing.
1: Thank you, Taylor. We appreciate your time. You're going to Tulane, right? First time you'll be in their stadium. I I know there's a game against Nichols. They should handle them easily, but uh, a chance to go to Tulane.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I actually, uh, it's interesting, yeah. This afternoon, I found out uh, the analyst for the CBS game tomorrow night at Boise State and San Diego State is sick. So I'm about to go get on a plane to San Diego. Oh, I'm doing that game for CBS tomorrow night. And then I've got the red eye back to New Orleans to do uh, Tulane and Nichols. So it's going to be a busy weekend, but it'll be fun.
1: Will they send you like all of the information, the networks, the prep work, you do your own, but they send that to you by like email, whatever.
2: Yeah, they're great. And Rich Waltz is going to be the play-by-play. Aaron Taylor is the one that's not feeling great. so and, And he's loaded me up with all the information, everything I could possibly need. I'll take all that and then just use the next, Twenty-four hours to watch as much tape as I can, and um, I did this the other week for SMU at Oklahoma last minute. And you learn, look, you just you, you get as prepared as you possibly can, and then don't force it. And after the game starts, you just you know you're watching football and you're talking football. So we'll we'll make the most out of it, and I think we'll have a good show.
1: Thank you, Taylor Taylor McCarg, with us Thursdays on anything college football. He's got a couple of games. That's where that Pretty good rice, ones.
0: That's that. That's where rice comes in handy, really handy when you got a cram.
1: No kidding.
0: You're yeah. right. Yeah, that's, absolutely. Yeah. That's, but yeah.
1: That's, that's cool. And then they feed the producers are feeding him so much information and yet also having to soak it in. But he's obviously watching the different games throughout the yeah. country.
0: This has been a Rogue Media Network production.